0: to ask a master at a skill or profession any question. So whatever your preferred sport or hobby or profession is, imagine getting a one-on-one lesson from the expert, the best in the world. That'd be pretty cool, wouldn't it? To be able to ask them to teach you to do anything. In fact, it's actually a growing industry. They're different platforms call it different things, but maybe you've seen these advertised online. Uh, they, they offer now master classes. And these master classes get these world-renowned experts, and then you can learn a craft or a skill set from them. So you can learn from the best chefs in the world, or you can learn how to shoot from Steph Curry, or you can learn how to, you know, write a screenplay or craft a song. And it's a cool concept to learn from the leaders. In those given fields, people who are known across the world, and you can ask them a question or you can learn from them how to do a particular skill. Well, this is exactly what the disciples had available to them. They had Jesus with them, the creator and savior of the world. They saw crazy things and they could ask him to teach them how to do anything. Like, if I'm them, I'm like signing up for Miracles 101, you know? Like, hey Jesus, when you, when you turned that fish and bread into feeding 5,000, can, can you teach me how to do that? When you rebuked the storm, could I, could I, tell me how, like do I say be still first or do I extend the hand first? Like how does that work, Jesus, can you help me out? Some of you might like the whole water to wine miracle. Say, hey, I'd like to learn that, that would come in handy. Some of you like that a little too much But that's okay We'll pray for you And um, no so imagine that you could ask Jesus To teach you anything But what's interesting is that The disciples didn't ask Jesus To teach them how to do miracles They didn't ask Jesus To teach them to preach They didn't ask him to say Hey Jesus remember when you raised Lazarus from the dead Like I want to learn that one Can you teach me that one Do you know what they asked Jesus to teach? It said in Luke 11, the disciples said, teach us to pray. Now, at first glance, it seems like they went a little low, right? Like, you have access to the Savior of the world, raised dead people to life, crippled people to walk, food out of nothing, walking on water, and you go, hey, can you teach us to pray? But here's what I believe was the case, is that in the gospels, Jesus is described as praying 30 different times, over 30 different times. And he prayed just different than what they knew. Like they had they had heard or seen people pray before. They were around religious people, but not like Jesus. Jesus had this connection with God the Father in a way that was so strong, that was so different that I think the disciples thought if we could pray like that, we would get access to the power that does everything else. So prayer wasn't low. In fact, prayer was a first priority. And they saw his connection and so they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Because he prayed so often and it was so much a part of who he was. They realized that Jesus, it was different. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. That the purpose of prayer is the presence of God. The purpose of prayer is the presence of God. Jesus talked to God the Father in a way that just hadn't been received before. He talked like he knew him. Not like he knew about him, but he actually knew him. See, there are examples all throughout the Gospels. For example, you have in Mark 1:35, it says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went outside to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Another example, in Luke chapter 5, it says, but now even more, the report about Jesus went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and be healed of their infirmities. So his ministry is growing. More and more people are coming to him. His schedule is getting busier and busier and busier. And how does Jesus respond? It says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. It seemed like the busier he got, the more important he prioritized his prayer life like there was something there. So what does that mean for us? Because if you ask anybody who is religious, and I say religious in a very general sense, because even non-Christians will claim the idea of prayer, right? Like no one that I know of thinks prayer is like an awful thing. Oh, you pray? Oh. Like even people who don't believe in God, don't believe in Christianity, when something bad happens, what emoji is going up? Prayer, praying for you. Sending you thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. I don't know how that works, right? Like if you don't believe in God, like who exactly are you talking to? But, like, but we do that, why? Because we know that prayer is a good thing. But you don't have to raise your hand right now, but I want you to be honest for a moment, and you can nod or give me a look, I don't know. But how many of you here would say that you would like to have a better prayer life? See, from my experience, most people acknowledge that prayer is a good thing, but then also feel like they're not doing it well. And then there's this thing of like shame and guilt that creeps in. And it's like, well, I'm not, a monk in a monastery praying for 15 hours a day, and I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. And then shame and guilt comes in. But I don't think God created prayer or gave us the blessing and the gift of prayer for us to feel shame and guilt. And also, if the, think about this for a moment. If the disciples realized that the power for their faith was directly connected to their prayer and relationship with God. What area do you think Satan's gonna attack? So he's gonna distract us. He's gonna make us feel bad that we don't know what we're doing, that how to do it. But we actually have Jesus' direct words to teach us. We have the master teacher giving us the master class to give us empowered prayer so the disciples ask him hey jesus how teach us to pray like that how do you pray here's his response matthew chapter 6 verse 5 he says when you pray you must not be like the hypocrites i love this teach us to pray hey don't be like these guys he starts by saying what not to do so in this case they're surrounded by a lot of pharisees and religious leaders And so he's saying, don't be like these Pharisees. Don't be like the hypocrites. I didn't mean to point in this corner. Sorry, you guys are great. We'll point back this way. There we go. Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So these are the appearance of religious people who... Boldly proclaim their prayers before the world But really they're praying to people and not to God Now Jesus doesn't say that praying in public is bad In fact scripture is filled with occurrences of public prayer In fact the church that started in Acts 2 One of the early markers of the church Was that they would gather and pray together publicly So he's not saying public prayer is bad What he's saying is don't pray for the appearance of others Do I have any golfers in the room? Any golfers in the room? Any wannabe golfers in the room? We'll say same category. Okay, you might be familiar with this phrase if you've played golf or been around the game. You drive for show and you putt for dough, right? What does that mean? Well, if you have a long drive, it's exciting, looks great, but at the end of the day, it's can you put the ball in the hole, can you finish? Because that's what makes the difference in the match. It's almost as if Jesus is saying here, don't pray for show. Don't pray for other people, but pray to know. Pray to know me personally. So he says, don't pray like the Pharisees. Okay, their their reward is already what they get in front of them. But then he goes on in verse seven here and he says this. He says, and when you pray, don't heap empty phrases as the Gentiles do. So he's saying, don't pray like the Pharisees, but then don't pray like the pagan either. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So don't pray like the pagan. Don't pray as the world prays. Because what happens is they're just throwing up empty phrases. If you're trying to eat healthy, you may be familiar with that phrase or idea of empty calories. Don't fill your prayers with empty calories, words that are just saying stuff but really have no meaning. It's almost like taking a message in a bottle in the ocean and just throwing it out there and hope somebody somewhere someday will hear it. So part of being a portable church is that there have been multiple times throughout our brief tenure of loading in and out of a trailer. Well, when I was borrowing a neighbor's trailer and I was trying to clean it and adjust it, uh, what I forgot to do was I forgot to lock the door at the bottom when I'm getting in and it wasn't attached to a vehicle yet, because I had unhooked it, and so I stepped on it. And I'm not the lightest person. We'll just say that. Um, okay, you don't have to nod super like in agreement to that. I would appreciate. No, not you. Anyway, so I stepped on the back of the trailer. What do you think happened when there was? It wasn't attached. It like went up, and I thought, "This is how I die. This is how it ends." And the and the trailer goes back. I didn't even tell my wife this because I just. Didn't tell anyone because I was embarrassed. And it just went, whoom and I was like, whoa. And it went back and then like, made sure, okay. I need to adjust this. Why did that happen? Well, the trailer wasn't attached to anything. And so when you put some weight in it, the trailer couldn't handle the weight distribution. Sometimes people who don't have a relationship with God will claim they pray, but their prayers are like trying to load a trailer that's not attached. You're throwing in these phrases and these words, but it, it's, the trailer's just flipping up because you're not attached to anything. If you're not attached to the God that you're praying to, it's not about the words you say, but the God you pray to. Does that make sense? And so God is saying, here, Jesus is saying, don't pray like the Pharisees, don't pray for show. Don't pray like the pagans that just throw up empty words and phrases, but instead... Pray like this. He gives us what's called the Lord's Prayer. It's this awesome picture, but what I wanna try to do this morning is to approach the Lord's Prayer. We might have said it many many times growing up, maybe a a religious tradition for you, maybe this morning was the first time you've ever said it. Wherever you fall on the spectrum, I want you to know that these words have so much incredible power when you look at phrase by phrase. So let's do that together. Jesus says this, like this, our Father in heaven. That's presence, that's presence. Now we just kinda go past that phrase, that's just the opening line. But you have to understand that when Jesus said this, no other religion claimed God as Father. That's about access. My little girl, Chloe, Just turned five. She has the freedom and the access to come into my room at three in the morning and say, Dad, can I get some water? Now, I love you all very much, but if one of you in this room came into my house at three in the morning, right? Like, I'm good friends with Jeff sitting right there, but Jeff, if you woke me at three in the morning tapping my shoulder, hey, John, Master John, can I get some water? That's weird. Why? Because of the relationship. And so the fact that we get to call God Father sets up the rest of the prayer. It's personal. And while religion typically says, I'm okay with God, but I'm not okay with you, and then secular living says, I'm okay with you, but I'm not okay with God. Jesus comes in, and when he prays, he starts his prayer with an acknowledgement of the presence of his Father. Now, for some people, they connect to the love that they have for their parents or their children. But for some people in the room, I wanna acknowledge the fact that that word, our Father, might be a trigger for you. Because you might not have had the best earthly father. And what I wanna encourage you with is that even if you had a broken home, you have a perfect father. And when he sees you, he doesn't say, get your act together. He doesn't say, hey, earn my love. He says, I'm here. How many people go through life spending their entire lives trying to fix a broken father wound? when thankfully we have a heavenly father. He says, I'm here, I'm accessible, I'm present. And I don't see you as broken, I see you as whole. I don't see you as a project, I see you as my child, and I love you. Do you approach God that way? Secondly though, (laughs) he goes from the intimate to the infinite, our father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Now there are people in your life that you might be able to state a father, a mother, a child, a spouse, a sibling. But I guarantee you can't say that second statement. Hallowed be thy name. So you have the personal, and then you have the powerful. This is an acknowledgement of praise. So instead of coming to Jesus, asking you to bless your food and to um, give us traveling mercies and things, and those are, I'm not saying don't pray for those things. What I wanna say is that there's so much more that you have intimate and infinite together. That you can say, our Father who knows me, who loves me, who's present, Hallowed be thy name. You are powerful. You created the world. You saved it. You conquered death. This is the God that I'm praying to. So you have presence and then you have praise. The sense of awe and respect of coming before the God who loves you and created you. Then he continues on and he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's purpose. We said that the purpose of prayer is the presence of God. That's what you're praying for, is that you are inviting God to come into your life and for his will to be done. I wonder what the church would look like if we truly invited heaven to come down to earth instead of living in a way that invited hell to come up to earth. That when we act and live in a way, we invite Satan up with our choices. It's me, I wanna reject God, I'm gonna choose myself, I'm gonna choose myself. That's why prayer is so powerful, because what you're saying is, I'm gonna deny myself and ask God's will to come into my life. I'm gonna ask for God's will to come into my marriage. I'm gonna ask for God's will to come into my parenting, into my workplace. Because God's kingdom, God's power, God's will changes everything. Jesus modeled this too. Think about right before Jesus went to the cross. When Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, and, he's, and he is getting to the crucial point of the prayer. And he's saying, God, take this cup from me. If there's any other way, do so. What is he saying? He says, but not my will, but yours be done. This is what he's praying. By praying your kingdom come, you're acknowledging that it's not fully here yet. And so you're praying God into your marriage. You're praying God into your life. And it changes everything. That's purpose. And then he goes on and he says here, so give us this day our daily bread. That's provision. You know, in the Old Testament, the people of Israel wandered for 40 years and they were sustained, how often? Every day, God would bring the stuff on the ground and they would pick it up and they called it manna. Do you know what manna means? It literally means, what is it? They walked outside. They're like, what is it? Oh, cool. That's the name. <laughs> Sometimes God's provision is vague. You don't even know exactly what God's doing. You just know he's taking care of something. And you're like, what is it? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they praise God for it. Now, I really wish it said, give us our yearly bread. Or monthly bread. Like, God, does it really have to be daily? Like, I struggle with this, and sometimes still struggle even now, just being transparent with you as a pastor, as a husband, as a dad, as a church planner. We lost our location, didn't meet for eight months, seven months, whatever it was. And we're praying for a spot, and then I get to this part of the prayer. And I'm like, give us this day. Ah, man. Okay. (laughs) Okay, God. I'll trust you. Because that's what provision means. We've talked about this before too. That seeing God as a provider means vision to see, pro to go before. So to trust God as your provider means that God sees what you need before you do. And he's gonna do that. Next phrase. He goes on. He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. That's pardon. That's pardon. This idea that, and it goes with provision. Think about it. Give us our bread, just as give us our forgiveness. That God has provided the forgiveness and the love that is possible. And if you've received that, then it gives you the ability to forgive others. Forgiveness says a lot more about you than the person that hurts you. Forgiving someone doesn't mean that what that person did to you is okay. Forgiving someone means that you're not going to let that action, that thing, be your identity. That you're not going to become bitter. That you're going to let go and realize that God has forgiven you. Therefore, that empowers you to go and forgive others. And it's a hard process. I'm not saying that like something traumatic and awful has happened to you, and you can just go, oh, I forgive you. Mm. There are some things that happen to people that you're gonna wrestle with that the rest of your life. But what this prayer reminds us of is that it's possible through the God that provides and the God that forgives. Now he gives an intense warning about this in a few verses, but we're gonna wait till we get there. So for now, this, acknowledge that part of prayer is his pardon or his forgiveness. The next one, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is God's protection. So you can see the process. He's our Father. He's present. Hallowed be thy name. That's praise. Your kingdom come. God, come into my life. That's purpose. Give us our daily bread. That's per- your provision, God. God. Forgive me of my sins, that's pardon. Protect me from the temptation and the evil that's around this world. God, I need you in my life. And that allows you to go through, there's so much power. This is what the disciples wanted to tap into. Now, even as we prayed here, we ended the Lord's prayer. For thine is the kingdom, right? And the power and the glory forever, amen. And when you say amen, that means... Like this is true, or I believe this. You are kind of your stamp of approval. This is what I believe. But that phrase was actually really added by scholars, commentators, church tradition, because I think we wanna end with that powerful, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So it's very much true and very much practical. But what does Jesus do to end the prayer when he's teaching his disciples? He says this in verse 14 and 15. He says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Okay, cool, I like that one. I like 14. And then 15 goes, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. Er, Hold up. Hold up, Jesus. I don't like that one. I like the first one. Why are, you, why are you throwing that? At, why, you don't need to put that in there, Jesus. That's the next lesson, you know? We don't need that in our prayer. But what's the first thing Jesus did when he said, teach us to pray? He said, don't be a hypocrite, right? He's reinforcing that message here. And he's saying, don't be a hypocrite. In other words, if you forgive those who have hurt you, you are growing in your understanding of how I have forgiven you. And so your ability to forgive helps grow your understanding of your own forgiveness in him. Because if you're holding on to something, if you're really holding on to something, it's really hard to receive a gift when your hands aren't open. And so what he's saying there is that if you can open your hand, if you can release the pain, the the struggle, the hurt that you felt from others, then you're in a place, you're in a position, you're in a posture to receive the forgiveness that I offer you. Because this Lord's Prayer is so incredibly powerful if we experience it. And so here's what I wanna do. I want the band to come up on stage. And I don't wanna just teach on prayer. I mean, that's nice. You can walk out and like, oh, that was good. I want to actually give you a chance to experience the prayer that we're talking about. So over the next couple minutes, I'm going to pray back through the Lord's Prayer. But we're going to pause and reflect and give you an opportunity to experience what the disciples experienced, what Jesus experienced. And if you're like, John, this is weird. Yes, it is. But just, just try it. What do you got to lose? You're already in the room, you're already watching. Just, just, just give me a minute here. Because I don't know about you, it just seems like our world is always filled with, go, 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 here, next, next, go, go. And we always feel like we're, we're trying to catch up to something, right? If you're at home, you feel like, man, I'm trying to catch up at work. If you're at work, it's like, man, I'm trying to catch up at home. I should do this more. I should do this more. I need. Oh man, I dropped this. And it's battle and battle and question and doubt. And yet the disciples looked at Jesus and they said, "Man, he is peaceful. He raised people from the dead. The crowds, the persecution, the questioning, the doubts." and yet he could walk in an unhurried way i think it's because of his prayer because the purpose of prayer is the presence of god so i want us to take a few moments and pray pray as if god is in the room pray as if god is in your life and if you're new to this that You don't have to be like, quote unquote, an expert at this. Just give them what you got. Start where you are. If this is your first time in church, it's like, look, just try it. You can benefit from just having a few moments of quietness in your heart. But in so, I want to invite you to pray to the God who made you. Let's do so. Our Father, who are in heaven, take a few moments and reflect on that. God loves you. You have access to him. He knows you. He's here. If you have something in your past that's keeping you, know that God doesn't see and look at you with shame or guilt. He sees you as a son or a daughter. And that you are enough. That he is enough. That he cares for you. Father who are in heaven hallowed be your name may we experience your presence thank you for creating us thank you for saving us God your kingdom come Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Reflect on that for a moment. Whatever your area of doubt or question, pray for God's will to be done. I had to come into my marriage. Come into my parenting, come into my workplace, come into my attitude, and my habits, and my choices. I want your will, not mine. And God, give us this day our daily bread. Whatever your needs are, big and small, give those to him now. Forgive us. Forgive us of our trespasses and our debts and our sins as we have forgiven those who trespass against us. If you're struggling right now to forgive, I ask that you just ask God to remind you of his forgiveness. Not in temptation. God, deliver us from evil. Help us to live for you. Love you, God. In your son's name we pray. Amen. How are you feeling right now? Compared to when you walked in, how are you feeling right now? You sense that peace that even for just a moment, that's the power of prayer. And it's not about the words you say, but the God you pray to. When, When my children were learning to talk, they didn't always say things or pronounce things correctly. But it's so much more to recognize that it's about the presence of the parent, not the words of the child. here's what I want you to do. Is that I want you to go every day this week at some point in your day to pause and say the Lord's Prayer. And maybe on that given day, you'll focus on one phrase or one part. Will you take time to connect to God this week? And second, I want to encourage you again to download that prayer guide that goes deeper into what we talked about today. Go deeper in your faith because the disciples could have asked Jesus anything and they asked him to teach them to pray. Because prayer is connected to everything else. And then lastly, I want you to sing this last song, which is a prayer. This prayer comes from the Old Testament. this prayer is a prayer of blessing. And when we sing amen, we are saying, this is true. I believe. God, you reign. God, I believe this. And so we wanna pray over you. We wanna pray over your family. We wanna pray blessing into your life. But that blessing is God himself. And so if you're listening later on podcasts to just take this in and, and and to, to respond. If you are watching this online and while doing other things, I want to encourage you just to pause that activity for just a moment here in the room, whether it's standing or s- sitting down, whether it's hands up, hands out, eyes open, eyes closed, whatever the response looks like for you. I want you to respond in song, in prayer, together as the church. I want to invite you to stand and let us sing this prayer together.
1: we together.
2: Father, we thank you so much for this blessed time that we get to sing these truths of who you are. God, you bless us, God, in so many ways. God, may we be reminded this morning of your provision, of your guidance. we thank you so much for your love that you continue to show your face. God, may we get to see your face this week, God. May your favor be upon us, God. May we continue to be so grateful for who you are. And may we go out to our communities, into our homes, God, and be a reflection of your love that you have shown us. You have been so faithful. You have been so kind to us. And as one body, as one church, we get to be unified and say, Amen. We get to believe in these truths, God. We love you. And we pray this all in your precious name. And God's people said, Amen. Well, so great worshiping with you this morning. Have a blessed week. We hope to see you next week.